clear the airways for the big broadcast. It's time for HempRadio.com, your source for everything hemp and cannabis. With your host, Patty Cakes, the queen of cannabis. Welcome to Hemp Radio. It's Patty Cakes, the queen of cannabis. And I am here today in fabulous Huntington Beach. And I am here with Katie Cravens. And she is the founder and president of Accuracy, Consistency, and Transparency. And what I love about it, Katie does compliancy. Is that is that correct? Correct. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I'm I'm glad that you're a female in this um, arena because, as you know, we don't have a lot of females. How long have you been doing this? I've been doing cannabis compliance for about five years now. And what made you decide to focus on that end of cannabis when everybody else wants to get high and open dispensaries? Um, it's or def- work in them. Right. No, it's definitely not the sexiest side of the industry, but um, I noticed working that there was a huge need for compliance assistance and for employers to know um, how to take care of their employees as well. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you just do the compliance? You're from Colorado. You're in Colorado now, correct? Correct. Do you just do the compliance uh, in Colorado? Um, no, I do compliance all over the, the nation, as well as even have done a little bit of work in Jamaica, getting their first legal ganja facility set up for, um, for a spa. So you have to know a lot of stuff. You have to know every legal state's compliancy laws. What is, I mean, have you looked at them as a whole and looked at the difference in them, or who's weak and who's strong with their compliancy? Um, absolutely. There's definitely a huge variance in all of the states. Um, I, I think as, as they progress, they tend to find where they need to focus more and where they need to get a little bit more strict and rein in some of the rules and regulations. And so you definitely see the states develop um, and become a little bit more regulated as time goes on. So did you have you done a lot of work in Colorado? Yeah, absolutely. I've done, I, I work in cultivation facilities, manufacturing facilities, dispensaries, and even with hemp and hemp farms and manufacturing facilities. And who are, the, have, have you seen uh, a lot of these people, I mean, when they first start, here's a set of rules. Have they changed any once they start working through things? Absolutely. They change almost every year. Um, so Colorado breaks out new rules six months to every year. Um, from labeling to sales to packaging, there's always something, to, uh, a change to look out for. And what do you find in this business the biggest change to be? I mean, it really depends on what they're focusing on at the time. So in Colorado last year, one of the big changes um, was their label forum. And really what was getting, wrong with their labels? Um, there's so much information on the labels that it's really hard for the consumer to, to see what's important. Um, and so from a public safety standpoint, we just all had to sit down as an industry and as a community and figure out what's the most important thing for people to know about about the product that they're consuming. And what would and what have they decided is the most because I've seen some of these uh, lit packaging and I don't even read it because it's too much. Mm-hmm. I taught advertising and I know that if some if they don't people don't see something that's simple to read, they're not going to read it anyway. Yeah, um, definitely potency. Um, the fact that there is marijuana in the product. So in, in Colorado they use the THC universal symbol to indicate that there's right. marijuana there. Um, and it has to be on every single thing, too. So if they have even one little piece of chocolate, it has to be stamped with that sign. Um, and then also, 
whether or not it's uh, manufactured or, I'm sorry, cultivated with herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides. And I think that should be the biggest thing that they check for. I mean, I think on a testing level, yes, but I, I don't see my fruits and my vegetables or any commercial agriculture um you know, any kind of product like that being labeled with all of the herbicides, pesticides, okay. or fungicides. So why are they doing it with cannabis then? I've asked that question numerous times myself. And you know what? They are stricter with cannabis than any other products. Absolutely. In Colorado, it's really supposed to, to mirror the alcohol and the tobacco industries. Um, but they've really gone above and beyond. Because if you look at tobacco, there's, there's, I don't really see every single thing that they've put into that product. Um, from from a cultivation side, right, and they just started saying not that not that long ago that it, it could be dangerous to your health. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, are they putting that on cannabis products now? They, there are certain required warning statements that Colorado like has, like um, you know, if you're pregnant, um, not to consume. I smoked through um, my whole pregnancy and had a normal baby, and so did every girlfriend of mine. And I think that's I think that's a consumer's choice, just like whether or not you choose to drink or smoke. Yeah, but see, alcohol and smoking are different. I don't think we can compare them. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah. Uh, I think that everything that everything with regarding cannabis, they're going to punch harder and make you work harder, and they're going to, and they change in midstream. And I think that's what's really hard for people that are trying to get into this business. It's hard for the producers because I've I've firsthand seen companies lose out on one hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollars because you know within a year and a half they've had to change the entire way that they produce. The How entire are they way allowed they to do that? How are they allowed to do that? Because it hurts people's pocketbooks. It's you know it, they they go through committees and people make decisions in these committees to are make these, these regulations. Are these committee people on? Are they cannabis people? Or are they lay people? It's a mix. Okay. It's a mix. They really do try to even out. I I, I will say that Colorado does a good job at trying to get uh, a variety of people so that way there's there are all opinions. Everything's being heard from both sides. Well, I think Colorado has done an incredible job, and I make reference to it on my show all the time because anybody that is getting involved in this arena should go to Colorado. I, I don't know why more states um, haven't it. just copied and replicated what Colorado's right. already done, what they've exactly. figured out. They've done a really good job at, at you know, setting, setting the standards. And is it, what, um, three years now? Uh, no, I think they've, we've had... Uh, How many years has it been legal? T- since 2014, so four. Okay. Yeah, recreationally, yeah. Okay. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I get very confused, you know, and here in California... Because they haven't really had the rules set out and no, laid we, out we yet. No, we don't have rules. They have 58 counties, and they want each county to come up with their own rules and regulations. But these counties have to work with each other um, in order to for people to have a successful product and a brand. I mean, they want to sell it all throughout California. So it makes it really difficult for these counties to be able to work with each other because everything's changing between, you know, lines. Right. I met with uh, my friend Jim Fitzpatrick who works with Costa Mesa. And in Costa Mesa, they are just setting up, uh, you can manufacture there, you can distribute there, and you can have a uh, lab there. There's no uh, dispensaries or any place to buy cannabis there. So that's all well and good, but how are you servicing your people? Well, how are the people getting access to the product? That's what I'm saying. How... That's why I hate politics. 
they're supposed to serve us, we're serving them. I think it's, it, it's just become backwards. But they're in control. And I think that, you know, Colorado, you had your governor who wasn't for it, but said, these are my people, this is what they want, I'm going with it. And then a year later he said, well, I'm glad I did that, because he knew. It's done great things for Colorado. I mean, the tax revenue, our schools are doing better. Um, they, they put in really great programs. Good to know Colorado's done a really great job at helping with public education on how to safely consume, what's legal here. Um, there's been a decrease in underage use. Now, if a kid who's, you know, a, a, in, into sports and, and maybe going in for, you know, a football scholarship or something, if he gets caught with marijuana, instead of losing out on that entire opportunity, Colorado's put a system into place where, okay, now you have to go to this course, you have to do this, you have to educate yourself on why you shouldn't consume until you're 21. Um, and he still has an opportunity to, to pursue his dream instead of getting everything stripped away from him because he was a kid and curious about cannabis and, and used it. Um, which, I mean, we were all kids. We're all curious. And, yeah, right, and right. So, yeah, it's, I think it's done a lot of really good things. What about uh, driving while um, high? Um, so they did have some rules and regulations on that, and they have made changes. Like a, a cop can't just assume you're high now because your car smells like marijuana. Um, I know oh, parents. that's great, right. Yeah. I know, it stays in your car. It stays in your car. And I know parents who's they're like, that's my safe place. Right. So at night when my kids are asleep, I go, I go in into the garage, yeah. I go into my car, right. and I right. smoke there because I don't, want my, I don't want my kids being exposed to it. And they're making the right decisions as parents to keep their kids, you know, on just safe. Exactly. I mean, I wasn't the parent that had my kid around. I never smoked pot in front of my kid ever until she was like 25. That, you know, I never, I wasn't that parent. You know, you're under my roof. You're eight. You, uh, the law in Pennsylvania was 21. You don't do anything until you're 21. That's all. It's real easy. I mean, I think it's our responsibilities as consumers to definitely let our, our kids know about it and the safety of it. And, and I'll definitely let my kids know like, hey, if you're curious about this, come to me. Right. And and we'll have the conversation, right. but I'm not I'm not one that that thinks that kids need to be exposed to that at all. No, they can't. They can't determine. I mean, their little minds are so fragile, and there's so many things they're taking in. I mean, they're learning ABCs in color. They don't need to learn about pot, you know, or stuff like that at a really early not age. not at an early age. I I remember at the state fair when, growing up that we used to be able to buy these little candy cigarettes. Oh, yes. And they had powdered sugar yes, in them, yes. and it actually replicated us yes. smoking cigarettes. Yes, I And I'm, I'm like six and seven years old, and my mom would not allow us to buy those. No, we weren't allowed. Um, no, right. Yeah, but I mean, and for me, I, I don't want to expose my, my kids to cigarettes and, you know, and overconsumption of alcohol or anything. So yeah. um, Colorado's done a really great job at, at educating the community as well. And, See, and that's safe, the biggest safe consumption. part of it. Educating the community, educating the police force, educating, you know, the schools. You guys are doing such a great job, and I don't understand why we are not there replicating what you're doing. I, I agree. Every state is um, kind of doing their own thing, and I don't know if they just think they can do it better or they're just because I've talked to a lot of the people in these departments in Colorado, and they are. I actually just sat down with one of the guys in the environmental health department last week, and he said, "I'm here. I would. I will take those calls all day. I don't know why we're not getting more inquiries. I don't know why people aren't asking us more questions." Cause, well, my first question to people when they're talking about it as city: Have you been to Colorado? No. Why not? 
why aren't you going there? Because they have a system in place that's working. And, you know, every, every system, I mean, you, every place has their problems, you know, whatever. I don't know what the problems are. I'm sure there's still renegade shops and black market people in, in Colorado. Um, I, I don't know so much about renegade shops. I don't think those would really last. But, okay. I mean, you're legally allowed to grow your own marijuana still in Colorado. And so I, I don't know if I necessarily consider that black market because okay. I'm allowed to have my six plants. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to extract those plants. And exactly. I'm allowed to make my own medicine and consume whatever I grow and whatever I manufacture from those plants. So, um, have in looking at the other states and in comparing them to Colorado, what do the what do you see is the biggest problem they face? <sighs> I think a lot of the biggest problem that they face is is well, and maybe they don't. They're not even aware of it, but. Not not allowing them to bank, not having oh. not having a safe way to do, do transportation of there? funds. I have a bank under ACT cannabis compliance, yes. But I think the fact that I'm compliance is in my name, and I bank with a well known bank, a national okay. bank. Okay. Does this bank have dispensaries that do business with it? No, the only bank that I'm aware of right now that takes on active cannabis clients knowing they are is Safe Harbor Credit Union. And that is? That is a Colorado-based um, company. Oh, that's right. There's a lot of credit unions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I Colorado would, credit unions are more open yeah, to these yeah, companies. Yeah, And I trust credit unions more than banks at this time. Hey, we're going to take a short break. Can you st- hang around for a minute or Absolutely. two? Absolutely. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we will be right back with Katie. I want to call her Caddy because her name is K-A-D-Y. She's beautiful. Her name's beautiful. We'll be right back. Clear the airways for the big broadcast. It's time for HempRadio.com, your source for everything hemp and cannabis. With your host, Patty Cakes, the queen of cannabis. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Hemp Radio, and it's Patty Cakes here. And I'm with Katie Cravens, and she has a company called Act. Cannabis Compliance, and ACT stands for Accuracy, Consistency, Transparency, and the tagline is, and I love this, if you want to be compliant, act like it, meaning accuracy, consistency, and transparency. There's one thing I have a problem with, though, is the transparency, because our government isn't transparent with us. Why should I have to be that transparent with them? Because you're going to stay in business that way. That's a very good point, because they're going to come down harder on us than anybody, right? Yeah, we have something to prove right now, and the more responsibility that we can show in our practices, um, the the more power we give to the plant. So have you noticed a difference from the time that you started until now? Uh, in compliance? In, in, in attitudes, compliance. Absolutely. I mean, even just with my family. Um, I've noticed a difference on a lot of levels with the community. Um, so in New Mexico, where it's just now medically legal, there's still a huge stigma. Um, and I, it's hard for me to transition from that state to Colorado sometimes because that's where my family lives because there's still this huge, well, you smell like weed. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm a medical consumer. That guy smells like cigarettes. You're right. not calling him out. Right. And what about the drunk that smells like booze? Yeah. 
So, you know, there's, we still have a lot of work to do in reform and re-education. It's, it's education, I think. That, that's where we lack. It's just in education. Now, you were talking about earlier basement growers. What specifically does that mean? Um, well, I refer to basement growers as those who've had to work around the law before we really came to the conclusion that this can be a legal thing and that we, we can do this in a responsible way. Um, so I've seen a lot of people struggle transitioning from that underground basement mentality to a regulated um, industry. I'm sure it's hard, though, because, you know, they made more money before. Correct. And they're making less money now. A lot less money, and there's, um, it's, it's saturated, and there's a lot of overhead, and um, we don't get to write anything off. See, that's another thing that makes me insane is, in so many ways, we're not treated like a regular business. Absolutely. I mean, and again, even when I was talking to the health department last week, we were talking about how these people are complaining about odor from marijuana cultivation facilities or manufacturing facilities, and the the health department was actually arguing for us, for the cannabis industry, and saying, saying what? if you're going to complain about that odor, why aren't you complaining about the guy who's, who's um, selling or, you know, growing roses across the street in that odor? What about the guy who's manufacturing um, the Purina pet, uh, the Listen, pet food I live by you can a smell dump. for miles Listen, away. I live by our um, the trash company, you know. I mean, and they're fighting that too. But you know, it's like it's a business. Yeah, you can't just choose this industry to go after. But if you're going to be concerned about have. odor, then you have to be concerned about all odors. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And but still, we're still fighting that. So we have to protect our. We have to make sure that we're almost odorless. But exactly. But we do. I mean, we have options. I mean, there's carbon filters, and right. you know, you can put in certain odor control plans and um, and complaint plans and things like that. So that way, your business does know how to handle those things. And every business who works um, on a in a scale that might you know omit odors like that should have these things in the place. Oh, sure, sure. Um, so have you worked with a lot of basement growers? I've worked with a lot of people who, I mean, they know how to grow. And they have really great genetics. And they've, they've had to come out, what we call, come out of the basement. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have. And it is, it's a big transition for them. Because we're, being transparent, that's a scary thing. So I've come up with the whole thing of notica- notification reports. What but, does that mean? Um, so if, you know, if we have a transfer incident, if we have um, inventory reconciliation, as long as I'm really transparent and clear with the Marijuana Enforcement Division on here's what happened, here's how we fixed it, here's our new changes in our standard operating procedures to make sure that we, we never go through this again, I, I usually don't get much back from them because they, I've answered all of their questions. And as long as they don't have to go digging for it and I'm bringing it to their attention, they're satisfied. Have you looked into the compliancy laws in California? Uh-huh, I have. And, and what, what is your opinion? Um, I think there's a lot of things that actually California is doing right compared to Colorado. And, and, um, and what would that be? Uh, so for, <laughs> for waste, right? So here, any bio any byproduct right. um, from the plants actually has to be picked up and recycled from a company that uses that or takes that byproduct and disposes of it properly instead of shoving it into bags and putting it into our waste fields. Oh. Because it's plant matter. I know, but can't you make stuff out of it? You you can make stuff out of it, but you know, when you're looking at the fan leaves and the meristem and the branches, um, there's not much on, on the hemp side, yeah, we're gonna use every single part of that. 
But on the on the marijuana side, that all has to go through the metric system. Okay, so what do they do with it? Uh, they they throw it away. Right now, the regulations in Colorado calls that it has to be mixed. Um, well, it has to be one hundred percent unusable, one hundred percent unrecognizable, and mixed fifty fifty with trash. Which means we're putting it into trash bags and filling up our landfills with things that can that are biodegradable, that are plants that and naturally are supposed exactly. to just be in the world. And even in those twigs and stems, there are some nutrients. Mm-hmm. So we know that's going to go back into the soil. Exactly. And and those well, but see, here's another thing. It depends on what they're applying on these plants. So um, what do you mean? So groundwater has been an issue. So if what pesticides, herbicides, or fungicides? Um, are being applied to these plants. So you obviously don't want to juice fan leaves that have been right. that have been treated. Right, right, right. Um, so it, it changes a little bit. But when you're looking at things from a commercial agricultural standpoint, it, there's and, and you're looking at a 10,000-square-foot facility that has maybe six or seven different strains in it, you have to have controls into place. You have to, you have, to have applications in, into place that treat, you know, treat those. What about... Um now, you guys have a lot of dispensaries, and, and which is, I call it weeding through the shit. The good stay, the bad leave, or, you know. Just the like weed, any other business. Just like any other business. You know, some people want to be a, a big pot person, and they open up, and they realize they know nothing. Well, and retail is retail is retail, whether exactly. you're selling shoes or, or weed. Sh- right. Um, it's you, all the same. Yeah, you have, to have, you have to have the right procedures into place, policies into place. You have to have well-trained staff, and... Um, I mean, just like pharmaceutical, tobacco, alcohol, you have to know what regulations um, are in place so that way you can, can, you can stay in business. So it's really about educating yourself, educating your staff, and um, making sure that you have your checks and balances into place so you're following those, those protocols. So you think that we're doing pretty well here? I think you guys are off to a good start. I think there's a lot to be improved. I really love that, um, I mean, I heard a judge in California advocating for judge the delivery. Judge Jim Gray. I uh, know it was a female. Oh, a female? I can't remember her name, but she okay. was advocating for the delivery service. She's like, yes, that has to stay in place. We already have so much business. And there's a lot of people who, they don't want to be seen walking into a dispensary. It could affect their career. Um, you know, because we're still at that we're weird still, point right. of reform. People, you still have to be careful because sometimes people look at you and say, stoner. Mm-hmm. You know, and no matter what we do, hey, I smoke with or you're a professor, and you're walking into a facility that right. has your students buying, um, and you're buying, and right. all of a sudden their respect levels right. maybe gone down, right. or they think that they can all of a sudden show up to class super stoned, or, you know, well, things like that. Well, this is what I say. You know, unless I'm having a party, I don't want to smell booze on your breath when you're at my house. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in the car with you if you're drinking and driving. It's the same thing with pot. You know, I don't, I don't want to be on the road with you I if you're drinking be, and driving. Right, I don't want to be anywhere with anybody, you know, and I think it's just like people are so stupid. They think that all, all people do is sit and smoke pot. Well, there are stoners that that's what they do. But, you know, you're not going to smoke a joint and then go to a, a you know, executive meeting. No, I'm not. There's there's functional consumers out there, and it, it's also us as responsible consumers. We have an obligation to speak up. And so that's what I encourage a lot of people to do. I mean, there's, there's lawyers, there's doctors, there's right. people out there that are using this as, as a medicine. They're using it to, to control their anxiety, control their stress levels. I mean, some of these people have very intense jobs. And cannabis is a great way for them to be able to de-stress so they're not taking all of that in because they're still humans. Right. They still have a nervous system that they have to deal with. 
And um, but it's speaking up about it and saying, you know, I am a consumer. But and people are afraid, though. I know. We're still. I mean, there's still so many people in the cannabis closet, especially women, and that's what tears my heart out. There's so many women out there that are closet smokers. And I, I don't. And I'm not even talking about women with small children. I'm talking about old broads like me. But you know what? We They're are afraid. leading this industry. Women are leading the cannabis industry, especially in the lab world. I believe 70% of the lab no. techs are women. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. I read a study. Okay, good. So women are leading this industry, and there's some awesome, powerful women out there. And I've, I've had a chance to listen to a lot of them at the Lightning um, Talks over at Women Grow because um, they do a huge event over in Denver every year. And yeah. it's inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, I want more women to, you know, to to acknowledge that they use cannabis and they're not. I mean, hey, I'd re- me. I have my uh, joint at four twenty or five o'clock. I don't have my martini. And there's no difference. I mean, it's to each their own. It's your body. It's your choice. Right. 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 Whatever works for you. Some people, a, a glass of wine a day is is what what's good for them. Yeah. Some people like a joint with their glass of wine and you know what? Good for you. If you're doing it responsibly and my kids aren't exposed to it, then I don't care. Right. I don't care what you do. Just don't let it impact me or my kid or my, you know, that's all I care about. And it's doing it responsibly. Now, are you surprised that we have a lot less dispensaries here? I think it's, I, I think Colorado went through that as well. So, um, as oh, really? Yeah, so there, there are neighborhood organizations who are, are going to just say no at first. Yeah, we have a ban here. Mm-hmm. So, as, as these How people. How legal are the bans? It's it's up to the neighborhood organization. So it it all it goes down it goes down onto the committee and the municipality. And it's, it's up to council. it's up to those councils, but it's it's the neighborhood organizations are the ones that have the final say in it. What's a neighborhood organization? Um it, they're they're I think they're called NHOs. Um but they're everywhere. Um every single neighborhood has a neighborhood organization and if any business can be um can be brought to that organization. And so, I mean, they, they, they can, you can, they're the same organizations that can ban a Starbucks from coming into the neighborhood. So it's, you know, it's a lot, it, it's the, the people do have more control than. No, we don't. We have 34 cities in Orange County. We have one legal one and I can't, I will not stop saying that. Then, the, then, then we're not doing our job representing our community, our cannabis community at these organizations. So we need to step up and start showing up to these. To what? The city council they have, meetings? Yeah, they have meetings. So this is what mm-hmm. they, oh, I know. And they schedule everything regarding cannabis like at 11 o'clock at night. Well, and but no. they schedule hearings for any new business that goes in. So I've had to do hearings for dispensaries that are going to be opened up into the community. And we have to show up with certain things. And we have to show up and be ready for questions that yeah, the community has for here. us. You can't show up for a dispensary or anything here. That's what we I We have a understand. lot of work to do. Right. If the people wanted this, and and I know that the numbers are a lot higher than what they say they are, because I've been in media, and it's like the people ask for this, but they're not getting it here. Well, and, in and Orange County, that I'm specifically tr- Orange County. We had the same struggle with the Initiative 300 for the social consumption sites, and when we sat down with the uh, with the city council and the, the committee for the 300 initiative. We were really disappointed because a lot of the reasons why we wanted these social consumption sites, the city put so many regulations on what these sites were able to do that it it totally it def- 
defeated the purpose of why we ran this initiative in the first place. Okay. And I'm pretty sure 70% of the people voted for legal cannabis consumption sites. Of course. So do you have uh, legal consumption sites in Colorado? Denver is the only city that I'm aware of okay. in Colorado that and allows, and it's a one-year pilot program right now. And so also, they're act, they're, because of you know Open Air Act and odor control, they're asking a lot of these companies to be able to, they have to invest a lot into um, you know, HVAC systems and carbon filters and things like that in order, in, in order to keep the odor under control um, and to follow with the Open Air Acts and things like that. And so it, it's kind of hard. Like now we're only allowed to do edibles and vape. Right. And if that's, you know, how are the companies making money if they're not allowed to sell the product? So you're only allowed to bring your own product into somewhere and consume right. it. Right, 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 And you might as well at that point um, just, you know, have your own private property and your own club, <laughs> which is right. totally legal. Right, right, You can in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I can have a club there and we can smoke in it. We can do anything we want. It depends on... But I, I'm not selling. Yeah, it depends. It's, it's your own private property. Um, a lot of people will charge a fee to come in, but you right. have to sign up for it. So just like a smoker's lounge. Yeah. Just like, you know, if you want to go in and smoke a cigar at a smoking See, lounge. That, my dream has always been Hemp Radio Cafe and Boutique. Just selling hemp products. Come here. You can smoke your pot. You can eat your edible. That's all I care about. Because we don't have a place to do that. We're still smoking in the parking lots. And, that, and see, that's a problem. That's why this whole initiative 300, 300 of social consumption sites came about is because, well, you don't want us smoking in parks. You don't want us smoking around schools. But I'm forced, after I, especially as a tourist, after I go buy my product, I'm Where not allowed you, to smoke in the right. hotel. Where am I supposed to safely right. consume? And, I, and you don't want me behind the wheel. So what like what are my options here? Okay, so you do have this you do have a place in Denver and have you been there? There are several different social okay. consumption sites in Denver. And do you know any uh, about how they're working? Or Well, like I said, there's the Open Air Act, so we can't have the open flame. I can't just smoke a joint. I can't smoke raw flour, which I mean that's that's my you know preference of consumption is flour. Me too. Uh, I'm a flower And so smoker. it bothers me because I'm only allowed to hey, wait, minute, wait minute, and wait do minute. edibles. In my building that I own, okay, I have a cafe. And you're coming there and you mean you can't smoke, So now you cannot smoke your joint in my cafe? You, as a private club. But then that person has to sign up yeah. to be in your club right. and they have to sign something, which a lot of people don't want to do. A social consumption site is different. That's something that you can just walk into, they check your ID, and you can consume on site. But you have to follow Open Air Act. Because that's it's it's a different thing now. Okay, so Open Air Act, you can't light a joint. Correct. But in my club, if you want to do that, you can't. I'm going to allow you to do that. Yes, as the property owner, you can allow okay. that. As long as you have all of your codes, all your fire department codes, all your health regulation codes, everything like that is up to point, then yes, you can do that. Yeah, I'd be curious. I know they have, uh, there's a couple places in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't been to them, but... I know there's one that's been there for a couple of years, and that's what they do. Yeah. And it's like a garden. I mean, it's really nice. Well, we've seen a lot of, a lot of things happen in the last, you know, I'll say 10 years in Colorado yeah. because, you know, we, we were in medical before recreational, and they did have consumption sites and, and things like that that didn't survive, and they because did reform because the laws the changed. laws changed, and they, it got more strict, and they realized, no, you can't just open up a, a, a consumption site. Um, you have to go through these certain things. And now, from what I know, Denver's the only city that is even allowing social... But, like I said, it's a one-year pilot, and there's a lot to invest in. 
for them to decide in one year, nope, this didn't work out. And then um, state regulation, you cannot have social consumption on the property that sells alcohol because they don't want the dual consumption. Right, and that's, right, right. And that's right. up to the state. So any, any municipality, any city, any commission that's even discussing anything about that, it's a waste of their time because the state has already said no. You cannot do dual consumption. And you cannot promote dual consumption. But, I, you know, I'm like, well, then go to every concert hall that's been functioning for the last 30 years because hey, I, that's what they're doing. Right. I mean, in the concerts you can drink. I mean, we smoke pot. I don't care. See, and what people don't realize is nothing's really changed. The consumers are going to consume. And the right. people who have been doing exactly. it have been doing it. And right. you haven't even been aware. Um, so now, now that the discussion's open, you have all these opinions, but you're not even aware that it's been happening for the last 30 years right next door. Right. Right. What do you say to somebody that's just starting out? Um, I say get your standard operating procedures into place, get your workflow into place, and, um, properly train all of your employees. And how do they get to... You know, say they want to, they can call you and you can help them. You can work with them, right? Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. Um, I really had a, a big realization while I was working in a facility and I just looked around one day and I went, these guys have no idea what they're doing. And then I was blessed enough to uh, work really closely with um, one of the top compliance officers in the nation. And she kind of took me under her wing and she became my mentor and I learned a lot Um, And I learned a lot about employee rights and employee safety. Um, And, and a lot of these companies, they're just, like I said, they're, they're out of the basement. They have no idea how to actually run a business. Right. That's, that's Um, been the problem. Even if you're just selling donuts. I mean, there's certain standards and regulations you have to adhere to. Right. And you have to do certain things and hang certain signs and educate your employees on certain things just to run that business. And I think that with people in, in the cannabis world had a different spin on it. They just wanted to sell pot. And, and I think it started out with just those kind of people. And it's, that's, it's a business now. You know, it's, it's a business that needs to function like a real business. If you're going to succeed, absolutely. Exactly. And then it's more than just, you know, it's branding now, too. I mean, some of these markets are so oversaturated that unless you invest in that brand and look at it like any other large brand that's successful looks at their product, then you're not going to succeed. Really? You're not, it's not just like, oh, you sell weed now? Like, oh, I can get that because you're like one of the only people I know that's doing it? No, a lot of people are doing it and it's out there and there's a lot of it out there. And more and more educated people are are coming coming into the business. And that's what the business needs. Right. We need people that have that business mind that can, that can bring that, um, professionalism. Thank you. That can bring that to the table. Um, because now the other industries have no choice but to look at us as a professional industry. And like I said, the, the more responsible we act, the more professional we act, the more power we give to the plant. So who do you think, do you think that um, I'll be able to get rid of the ban in Huntington Beach? I think it's going to take a lot of work. And like I said, you know, having, having something like Good to Know Colorado, where you're really taking the initiative to educate the community on safe consumption, on how to keep it away from kids, on right. child-resistant packaging, on how important it is to lock your product up. Keep it away from animals. Keep it away from young children. And I get that. But there's such emphasis on that when your kids are stealing your pills and drinking your alcohol. And they put this on... uh, This is what makes me... And I can't stop saying it. 
when their their kids are doing other things that are worse for them. I I can't agree more. But you know what? I'm focused on this. I know. I know. And I'm focused I on know. on bringing light to this plant. And um you know, it's it's a parent's responsibility to lock up their liquor cabinets and to lock up their right. pills. Exactly. Just like it is to lock up their marijuana. Right, right, right. Same thing. It's but if we can even override some of what they're doing in the, you know, pharmaceutical industry and in the alcohol and tobacco industry and and make them step up their game and make them step up we, their right, standards. That's what we need to do. We set the, we set the standards. Right. And and then nobody has a choice but to follow suit. Well, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to meet you, and I'm so glad that you came on today and shared your expertise with our listeners. And how can people get you? Um, my website is actcompliant.com, A-C-T-compliant.com. Um, you can visit and contact me there. Very, very good. Thank you. It was such a pleasure meeting you. And I love women in this business. And the more women we get, the better, because I think that we work because we're women, we work smarter and stronger because we have to. I agree with that. And um, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do what I'm doing or to have gone as far as I've gone at, at my young age with my, my background and my education um, and, and without the cannabis industry. It's really given me an opportunity to do something bigger. Oh, you got, I mean, you're, I think the compliance is so perfect because it's so needed. And I think that you're doing an incredible job, and uh, I love it. I will anybody that wants to know about it, I will send them to you because I, I think it. that you know you, you really sound like you know what you're doing because there's so many people out there that don't, and you know that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's unfortunate when you get mixed with the people who say, "Yeah, I know, what to, I know what to do, I know what to do." And people follow them, and it's yeah. so sad because you know then they then they you know bust out. It's like, but that's every business again. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, can hire yeah. a marketing person that really doesn't know what's going on, a social media expert that's not an expert. So you know, you got to do your due, due diligence as a business owner and really check their backgrounds, check their references, ask the right questions, figure out what those questions are, and make sure that whoever you're working with can answer those. Thank you so much, Katie, and I, you're going to be so successful. Hey, we've had a great time today. Uh, hope that you learned something. Listen, she's available uh, for questions or if anybody's interested in compliancy, no matter where you are, give Katie a call. And on that note, it's time to blow this joint.